The following is a paid program and is meant for educational information only and is the sole opinion of today's sponsors. A full inspection of your situation is suggested before taking any action. From home repair to remodeling, this is Making Your Home Great. Making Your Home Great is on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Every Saturday at this time, I'm so grateful you're listening, but more grateful that we've got Mike and Sue Pale from the Closet Factory to come in and talk about what they do, and also Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Yep, doing great. Are we busy? We're busy. We're busy. We're... People are uh, have a lot of needs. Brock keeps telling me that no matter who he talks to in home construction, they're busy. Yeah, it's it's been a weird year for for all of us in in home construction. I think we all kind of got concerned at the beginning of the year when when COVID really kicked off. You yeah. know, January, February, March it was a little bit of a lull. Um, I, we're not really sure what happens. It's almost like everybody's sitting at home looking at the things they they've been wanting to fix for years. Yep. So they're using this as the opportunity to reach out to us. So, I mean, it's it's good for our field right now. We're all doing really well, and we're booked out, uh, which can be a little unfortunate for homeowners that want to try to get something done quickly. Yeah. But other than that, we're we're doing the best we can to keep up with it. All right. Let's talk with Mike and Sue Pale from the Closet Factory. You're thinking of, because everybody's busy. Work on some kind of discount for folks who don't mind waiting. What is that all about? Yeah, we have pretty much filled up our slots for the year. And just to to help out those who would really like to get something done but are not in a huge rush, we're willing to offer a little bit of a discount. Yeah, we're going to do a 10% discount for anyone that uh, that is willing to sign you know, this year and is willing to push off their install until – uh, January or after, right? Um, just that way, if there's people that are a little more flexible with their their deadlines and what they have going on, they can get a little bit of a benefit. But if someone calls in, and it's like, I'd love to wait, but my closet fell off the wall and I really need something now. Then we have a spot for them, <laughs> right? And we're announcing it here first. Hey, great! <laughs> All right, so you got a ten percent, ten percent discount if you don't mind waiting till what twenty twenty one. Yep, January. Okay. Yep, until yeah. January. All right, sounds good. Now you've the company is called the Closet Factory, but I want to talk first about home offices, and the reason I want to talk about that is because we went through a little home office renovation at my house. We moved one unusually small table out of the bedroom, and we put another unusually small mm-hmm. table, and it benefited us zero percent. <laughs> but are you going into houses now, and and people have just done what we did? slapped down a table and hoped it would fit? We're getting lots of calls lately about uh, homeowners who are trying to make their homes work for working at home, schooling yeah. at home, even just more the more homework and virtual work that's happening at home, and those makeshift tables aren't working. So we're right. looking at their spaces, measuring, having good conversations about how they want to use that space and really making it work for them. Yeah, we have some that um – they you know have like a formal dining room, and yeah. a lot of people don't really use their formal dining room that often, especially now because you're not really having guests over like you might normally. Right. So uh, there's a lot of people that are willing to like let me look at converting this and putting it 
making it into a downstairs, you know, main central office area to help with the kids do homework or just to be able to work from home right. and have it right there in the center of activity next to the kitchen. And then, you know, most people have a kitchen. They have a, a breakfast nook or something or a, a kitchen table, and they're just eating there as a family. So yep. uh, it works out really well. It's a nice option. Out of curiosity, most most dining rooms obviously don't have doors, right? Mm-hmm. You typically have an open area that you walk from the kitchen into the dining room or the living room mm-hmm. into the dining room. If you decided to try to convert something like that into a home office, do they have the option of putting doors in? We we are uh, cautious about adding doors ourselves. We do some sliding doors, but once it gets to be you know other more substantial doors, then we kind of leave that up to people that are specialists. Like in barn that doors or pocket doors. Barn, barn doors or um, pocket doors are really tough because you they have are. to do a lot of work to yeah. get those in. I and mean, they're great, but. Um, uh, I like the barn doors better. I think it's a, a much nicer look. For me, pocket doors just kind of reminds me of the 1980s, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's neat in some circumstances, yeah. but for the most part, they almost feel kind of cheap. Those barn doors, oh, yeah, with the track, they're super cool. Really, really cool. They can become a des- design aesthetic to the room. That's right. Right, and the pocket doors are great for maybe like a space saver, a space saver, yeah. or like in a bed, a bathroom. Right. right, if you want to just have a really compact solution, or if or if they want to keep their house open, like that open concept is really popular. You make the storage space where with doors on it, so you can close it off, and and the mess can be put away and and hidden, and you can make it really still look beautiful. See, I'm. St- I'm thinking about messes. Now, I'm not complaining about any individual part of my family and a messy desk. I'm not doing that. What I am saying is that two-thirds of the private printers I've seen in people's homes are sitting underneath a table Mm -hmm. on top of the box which used to have the printer. Okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you you do something with a printer that keeps it out of sight, out of mind, but I can still use it? And all the other peripherals. Yeah, we so we will take an inventory of all of the the printers, the routers, computers, yeah. monitors, and for the printers specifically, a lot of times what we like to do is put them on a sliding shelf or on a pull-out tray, yeah. on a lower part of the cabinet behind doors, so they can open it up, pull it out, and that printer can lift up when it's pulled out. Um, you can keep the paper stacked right underneath it. Yep. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a great question um, to, to to bring up because it kind of goes to the point of how we approach all those things. You know, the, the printer having it on a pull-out tray or a shelf right. depends where the paper comes out on the printer. And when you say pull-out tray, you mean that it's more or less flush with the wall, it's hidden, and then I pull it out. Flush with the cabinet, and, right? And flush with the cabinet. Exactly. And, th- and then, it's, then it's a working thing. And then mm-hmm. when I've done working – and pulling things out, I roll it away. Yeah, and it can be behind doors or not. It really depends on the exact situation and the budget and what you want the look to be and how often it's used. And all the, I mean, there's so it's many all questions. Our questions that yeah, we ask. it's all the questions we ask. So okay, yeah, are these always permanent installations? They are always built to be permanent installations. Okay. We have had some people that are like, "Hey, I really, I love this design. I want to move it to my new house." And sometimes it works out, but, you know, the rooms are not always the same size. Right. So there's always something that has to happen. And unless unless something kind of different was done where, like, maybe a, a third bedroom was converted into a walk-in closet and now it became a two-bedroom house with a huge closet, Yeah. most of the, the people buying the homes, a lot of the reason they bought the house is because of these great storage solutions. Right. So they don't want them to go away when they buy the house, right? Unless it's, again, like one of these one-off situations where they've converted a room. Yeah, and oddly enough, when you build something, I'll bet you it's going to match with the rest of the house. 
it's uh, going to that's normally not true in my yeah i mean in my experience with a lot of these home offices yep it's it does i mean it's whatever the client wants yeah if, if they want it to match that's obviously we can we our designers are great at having the design aesthetic to figure out what's going to look good and be more uh timeless uh yeah. really have some staying power um but then if a uh um if a client wants to really change the look of a room and they want to go completely different and go very bold, very modern, sure. we just I mean, beautiful things. I, I love when we see them, but a lot of clients don't have the uh, have the guts to do it. But when they do, it's man, it's amazing how much of a profound impact that can have on a space. You'll even do Murphy beds. Yeah, we will. Yep. Folks don't know what Murphy beds are. I've always admired them. It's where you hide Murphy. <laughs> That's <laughs> where Murphy sleeps. That's right. <laughs> no, I mean, people actually probably remember movies from the 40s where some some guy was in this small apartment and he they plop him down on the bed and they throw the bed up at the, you know, into the closet and then they close the door. That's not really a modern Murphy bed. No, I think that they probably played heavily in the Three Stooges uh, series, right? I remember uh, the right. Three Stooges and what the rabbit who was the Roger Rabbit? Roger Rabbit. It was in the Roger Rabbit movie. Oh, That's where Roger it. was hiding in the Murphy bed. So it's a bed that kind of looks like a cabinet when it's not a bed. Normally, yeah, unless it's built into the adjoining areas and has some bookshelves and desk alongside of it. Um, but it can be as simple as a standalone cabinet that basically has a, a pretty much any size bed in it, all the way up to believe it or not, California King, which is. A lot of a lot of real estate, a lot Mo- of land in that. Most customers use Murphy beds in like office space. Is it is that pretty typical? I mean, or, or, or do they actually use them in a bedroom? A lot of times it's in the guest bedroom okay. because that guest bedroom that bed is taking up the room, right. and maybe you use it one or two weeks a year. Right. So you, if you install a Murphy bed, you can use that. That room becomes usable. You can put the bed up and use that as a home office, a workout space, a craft room. There. The options are endless. I always um, tell my clients it's almost like adding an addition to your home. You basically just gained a room back. That's right. a good point. Yeah. Right. We actually right. just did – I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. I was just going to say that we uh, – one of our designers, Tracy, just did uh, uh, a design for a client, Joe, that lives uh, down in Glenwood and yeah. in a townhome or in a uh, condo. And yeah. it's – it's uh, we did a unit for him that's like 20 – I guess 30 feet long and it's got a Murphy bed, a desk. And that's his everyday bed because, yeah. you know, the spaces are smaller and you really want to maximize your utilization of that space. You so. have company over. You don't have – they don't have to see the bed. <laughs> yeah, pop it away. Very nice. I like it. I like it. And I like the idea that it could be combined with an office, the whole idea being, you know, that 11 o'clock meeting just ended and the one thirty <laughs> meeting is, you know, be nice to have a bed just – Power handy. nap. Yeah, a little power nap. Plus you've got room for the other things you want in the room. All right. Let's open up the phone calls or open up the phone lines, 919-860-9783. If you've got a question about anything to do with carpentry. Sure, yeah. Because we open this up here, Mike and Sue will be able to help you. We're also going to kind of backtrack a little bit and explain how a couple of engineers ended up helping people with storage solutions. Because, you know, you seem under you seem overqualified. For that, but I'm going to let you decide what kind of work you want to do in your life. I mean, we get two engineers here, and they're going to solve your shoe storage solutions. Yeah, <laughs> yep. they're going to come up with where you put things. Yep, 
because the company is the closet factory. All right, that's coming up. Also, if you've got a question about insulation or crawl space moisture or mold, Brock Emmons is here, Triangle Radiant Barrier. This is making your home great. Making your home great on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Mike and Sue Pale from the Closet Factory and Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier. Brock, are people calling up because of the weather changed and they've noticed their house is cold? Yeah, it's kind of funny how it happens. I, sometimes uh, uh, we know when the weather's changing just based on what type of phone calls we're getting in. But we're getting an influx of calls, which is... I mean, it's kind of funny. We've we've had a warm summer this summer. Sure, right? yeah. So as soon as the temperature drops down into the 50s and 60s, we're getting a lot of people calling and saying, well, I'm cold. It's cold in my house. Uh, you know, well, we're not really sure what to do here. You know, insulation <laughs> insulation works in the summer and the winter. So yeah. if, if you're having concerns with keeping your house cool in the, the summer or warm in the winter, normally insulation is the, the best route to go. Are you – do you do – well, let's put it this way: Is that an insulation issue that you can be that can be dealt with within Triangle Radiant Barrier? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We we if you name the insulation, we do it from okay. spray foam to blown in, batted radiant barriers. I mean, you can go down the list, even even foam board. Are people not putting in enough insulation? Well, it, it's. Unfortunately, the the standard insulation that most of us have in our attics is a deteriorating insulation. So when you first blow it in, it might be 12 to 14 inches thick. Yeah. And then three, four years down the road, it's 10 inches thick. Another three, four years down the road, it's eight inches thick. And okay. it, it just deteriorates. So you have to come in about every five to 10 years and blow in additional insulation if you want to get a better R value. Right. Um, but that's just one form. Like I said, we do spray foam. We do radiant barriers. There's a bunch of different insulation out there that can uh, help to address that problem. Most of the time when I show up to do an assessment, I want to find – it's always one of two things. Yeah. Either you're poorly insulated or your air handling unit, your HVAC, mm-hmm. is not working efficiently. Well, I, I can answer that second question pretty quickly. We can figure out if the HVAC is running efficiently. And if it is – you're having a problem with your insulation. If it's not, maybe it's not the insulation. Maybe it's an issue with the HVAC. So okay. tracking down the problem is step one. All right. So I got a question for you, Brock. Yeah. Um, homeowners that uh, have a home that was built, say, in the mid-90s mm-hmm. and that have like a traditional foundation vents if they have a crawl space. Mm-hmm. What's the right time to switch those vents around or what do you suggest for the – open versus closed position of them throughout the year? No, that's a great question. I, I'm asked that question probably 10 times a week um, by by our customers. So a ventilated crawl space is an outstanding idea in theory. Okay, the execution is poor. So if if you drive through Cary right now, some of the larger neighborhoods that they're putting in, yeah. a lot, you'll notice a lot of the vents under the crawl space are like three feet long and two feet tall. Most of the vents we have in our house are seven to eight inches high and, yeah. and maybe a foot long. Yeah. That's minimum code requirement. So that's what the builder did just to pass code to get out of there. The reason I say that, if you have big vents and you're getting enough airflow under the house, you keep the vents open in the spring and the summer. You want to get airflow underneath the house. 
In the winter, you want to close those vents for the sole purpose of trying to keep out as much cool air from getting into the crawl space as, pro- uh, as possible, which can cause frozen pipes, can cause a, a plethora of issues down in the crawl space. And the reason to have them open in the summer is just for humidity ventilation, control? Humidity control okay. and ventilation, exactly. In the winter, we're not having a humidity issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, any, anyone who's lived here in North Carolina knows there's three, four months out of the year, the humidity is just real low. The rest of it, it's super high. Yeah. So you want to have the vents open in the spring and summer, and you want to go ahead and close those vents in the winter. Like now, are we closing them, or in the next two months? I, I would say between now and probably late November. Yeah, okay. it's a good time of year to get them closed. Yeah, probably nobody good... nobody in my neighborhood knows what is the rule that you just said. Well, it's not easy to do. I mean, most of the time, well, if they're newer vents, you can close them from outside. But a yeah. lot of these 1990s, mm-hmm. you have to get in the crawl space and manually push the vent closed from the inside, which is great for my guys and myself. That's sure. what we do for a living. But for the school teacher that, you know, lives down the street, that, be me. that's yeah. tough. It's yeah. tough mm-hmm. getting in and out of that crawl space a couple of times a year just to get the vents open and closed. I'll, I'll tell you what. I think, you know, the the plastic thing the the plastic vent and the installation on my house is about the poorest thing i've ever seen it's how like many of those somebody, tabs are still there to right, operate them right, right. well it it's it is a cheap product mm-hmm. i got to say that probably a you know a dollar 2 dollars of plastic there and it's put on just slapped on with with mud or you know cement yeah cement so they put a cheap thing and then bonded it in cement so you're not getting it back out of there without a mason isn't that exciting well actually i will be able to get it back out because it's cracked so badly <laughs> that i'm i don't want to wiggle it too much for fear the cement's going to come out does anyone make a product that attaches to the opening on the inside and just you know attaches as a flange well yeah not an aftermarket one i mean mm-hmm. there's several companies now that do vents that that have that built in um I, Personally, that's why I was kind of talking, it depends on uh, the execution. If you have these smaller vents, you are literally better off sealing the vents altogether and putting in a dehumidifier. Okay. Uh, if you have these big vents on the side of the house, it's a new home, you're getting enough airflow down there, you can probably justify not needing to do anything else. But if they're the smaller vents, which is what most of us have, that's what's on my house. Right. They're just, they're not effective, open or closed. So you might as well just seal them. And then put in a dehumidifier to maintain humidity. That'll a, that'll a, fix all the problems. And a better barrier, right? So you don't have that humidity coming up from the ground. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the plastic. Um, six mil is minimum code. I normally do not recommend six mil, but right. it can still do a pretty decent job. Uh, I would go with a ten or a twelve. All right, Mike and Sue, let's talk about the closet factory and the, and and how you both are engineers. Which yep. I find unique, but when I find an engineer, I say, uh, you know, automatically I think you're changing your oil. You're do- right. You're doing all things <laughs> on a all schedules. That's a mechanic. No, right no, there. no. <laughs> what I mean is they're detailed oriented. Yes. Yeah. I just got notified of uh, my fifth patent got um, from one of the companies I work for. Yeah. So fifth one just got uh, a number assigned to it. That's what? great. So, Congratulations. Yeah. What's I, the area in that? Oh, the, there are... He can't tell you. I can. No, I can. They're no, just no, no. boring. I don't want your listeners same... to fall asleep while driving. Or... <laughs> he gave me that expression. I could explain it to you, but I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> That's all right. Computer-related, uh, yeah, some, con- some handheld uh, battery power devices related to that. So all, right. so, all over the place. So why do, we, why do I want you to... To solve my storage solution, 
Well, first, you want to work with one of our designers because we're engineers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you want us in the background. <laughs> um, we we try to think uh, about everything. Yeah. Uh, as far as usability, manufacturability, what the staying power is going to be. Uh, our designers are – we've gotten them trained to the point where they're like, we're going to ask them a really tough question. They're going to say, there's no way we can do that. And then they're going to come back a couple minutes later and say, yeah, we can probably do that. <laughs> so it's a good and a bad thing. It's great for our clients. And Sue and I end up scratching our heads and we don't like to say no. So we come up with a way to do it that's going to meet all those requirements and not just be a, a hacked together solution. It's going to be something that lasts forever. Okay. But, it's about how many features they have. I mean, they have so many options being able to go through just, I mean, just their photo. And one thing I want to talk about when we come back from the break is I want to get into their laundry rooms. Okay. That that's, is, that's something I'm really interested in talking with them about. Making your home great, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Brock promised we were going to talk about uh, laundry rooms. And you said that we're going to talk to talk about your laundry rooms. We're not interested in really knowing the condition of your laundry room. Mike and Sue Pale from the Closet Factory. Talk to me about laundry rooms you've put in or you've you've renovated. A lot of times, what, pe- what our clients are looking for is a place when they're taking their clothes out of the dryer to hang up. Yes, the things so they don't get wrinkled right away. So they, or if they don't dry them completely, so they don't shrink, they can right. get them hung up right away. Or just having a little bit more. Like I, almost every laundry room I walk into, it's a washer and a dryer with a wire shelf above it, or a bench that was made, you know, <laughs> yeah. thirty years ago. Yep, my laundry room is is just like that. I mean, I have a, 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 a you know, up top and, and below washer and dryer stacked stacked yeah. unit. And, and, like, open shelves. I mean, I can see all the soap. I can see all the all the dispensers. It's just – it's not overly attractive. And when I go through some of the photos that you guys have on your website, I mean, it's, it's like you guys pulled it right off of HGTV. This, this looks incredible. Well, it's like – it's the quality of work and the quality of attention to detail that most people put into their kitchen. Right. Right? Very much so. Yeah, I mean, honestly, kitchens are easy because box, there are boxes that are 18, 24 – 30 inches wide, and you basically yes. just stack them next to each other. There's Okay, you want a drawer at the top. You want a pull-out tray inside. That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's uh, that's um, it's really simple compared yeah, to what we do right. in a lot of projects. Yeah, laundry rooms, you have to honestly. deal with the hookups, the outlets. The Everyone's looking for a place to fold. Sometimes well, space. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would, yeah I mean, space. My, my laundry room is a third of the size of my kitchen. I mean, I, I, could, I, would, I would love <laughs> to have some more space in the laundry room. So you guys can utilize the smaller space by either doing cabinetry. Do you have any of those those hang racks that you can actually put on the wall and then come off of the wall to kind of save space? We have those. We have ones that come down from the ceiling. What? Yeah. Um, laundry rooms are a great spot too. I mean if you look at our website, the pictures are kind of over-the-top, grandiose, huge rooms a lot of times. And that's because you got to be able to get back far enough to take pictures. Right. Um, but it's, it's some of the most um, – you know, economical solutions that we have, and it's a room that people use pretty often, and it's an important room in the house. Some people, if it, they have a little bit of extra room, like if it's on the way to the garage, they'll build like a mud room, yeah. what we call a mud room into mm-hmm. the side, like a, a drop zone. Each of the kids has a little cubby that has room for their jacket, their backpack, their shoes, um, and then all that stuff's not getting tracked into the house, make a mess. You know, it seems like 
kids will come in and they'll just make a trail from the front door to wherever they're going with a bag here, shoes yes, they there. Will. Yep. And if you have a drop zone and their name is at the top of it, well, now there's a little bit of ownership and the kid really wants to put that stuff away for themselves. My wife will tell you I do that at 37. So um, I understand completely. I'm still working on growing out of that. That will explain why your wife called to ask if we could set she up a no, I I'm knew it. I knew she did. Yeah. Phone, you drop the phone at the first thing that's horizontal, right? First horizontal surface in the house is a, the phone next to the keys and whatever. Yep. Talk to me about garages, guys. Garages, that's the next step. You walk out the door and then everything's on the floor in the garage. So we spent a lot of time uh, figuring out what open wall space is available, where your car is going to park, where, where we need to leave um, free for walking through, um, and then just trying to get cabinetry and or slat wall or, you know, items yeah. like that to get stuff up off the floor and there's, out of the way. There's two things that surprised me about garages is that one is that a lot of people don't use it for their car mm-hmm. or yeah. they – yeah. Or they have a storage – they're paying a storage bill for um, you know monthly storage bill at a – you store it place, right? Yeah. Um, and they have a potentially a lot of space in their closet where they could take that monthly investment or expense and turn it into an investment in their house for storage. Yeah. And the other thing that surprises me about closets is it's most people's second most expensive possession is in their garage. Mm-hmm. And sometimes their third most expensive possession, right? If it's two-car yeah. garage, they have two cars in there. And they might have a bunch of rakes or rickety things on a shelf that if they fall, they're going to land on this very expensive, uh, difficult-to-repair item. Agreed. So those are both surprising things to me. And there's solutions to help ease you know, ease your mind when it comes to what's going to happen if this gets bumped by the, by the kids or the dog or myself walking in and I empty everything from the shelf onto my hood. Well, well how, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what happens if what happens if the homeowner has a garage? They don't want to park their car in the garage. They want to turn their garage into a home gym. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. something you guys have experience with? Yeah, yeah. We we the, we've turned a lot of garages into like a work workspace with a workbench and tools, or a lot of home gyms. Uh, people will insulate their garage. So that they can work out there, shut the garage door, and the temperature stays nice. We don't do the insulation. Right. <laughs> we know a perfect guy for that. We know someone who does that. <laughs> Brock does that. Brock does that. Did you know that? Oh, really? Oh, he does, yeah. Um, what about – this is the thing. You're going through the list of people surprised about garages or you're surprised about their treatment of their garage. How about this one? When you walk into a house and you're picking out a house to buy – there's finished and unfinished, okay? That garage looks like the least finished area in the entire house until Mike and Sue with the closet factory get done and the cabinets. Now I'm looking around as this is a crazy idea. The cabinets match each other, <laughs> right? And maybe even the car. Maybe even yeah. the car. Uh, it might, school colors. School colors, your mm-hmm. favorite team. But regardless, you've got a place for everything and everything in its place, okay? That's the sort of thing we like in the rest of the house, but our home builder didn't give us. And okay? it's, a, it's a lot of times a 400-square-foot room. Right. That's a huge amount of space that is just a box with two cars in it, and there's a lot of extra space to be had in there. And to be fair to the builders, they don't have the luxury of – speaking with you and asking you 100 questions about what you want to store in there and how you want to store it. So they're trying to do something inexpensive and universal. Mm-hmm. Apparently inexpensive and universal was flat white walls <laughs> and popcorn ceiling. 
if you're lucky, if you're lucky. it's painted. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, there's a lot of a lot of my go in. It might be drywall, oh, yeah. tape, bedded, and that's it. I mean, our um, house, when we moved into it, the, the, it the, wall, that, yeah, the yeah. wall that adjoins the living space is drywalled and insulated. But then the two walls that just come out from the rest of the open house studs. are just open studs, yeah. which was great to add wires and stuff <laughs> and all that. But then – Not so good for the insulation yeah. portion, sound buffering, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that mine is insulated at all. Uh, it's probably not. Probably not. I mean, it's drywalled. You know, the drywall's up. Yeah, the then, wall, the wall that separates your living space from your the garage that yes. is insulated. Right, uh, but the rest of the garage is not, unless the builder went over and beyond, and we all know how often that well, happens. I don't think that happened. <laughs> no, well, my house. Um, but these guys will take a look at your garage, take a look at the way you do things. And you're going to design something that's right mm-hmm. for that particular person. And it's going to look like a livable part of the house as opposed to man cave. It, yeah, it depends on what the client wants. I mean, we can we can do just simple shelving. If a client's like, hey, I just need some shelving and, and what I'm finding at the store is not going to fit my needs. I need something that's going to have doors on it or needs to fit this weird shaped item. Um, you know, we try to be really respectful of what the client has for a budget and what they have uh, to allocate towards this project. So, but what's the design process for anything that you guys do? Like, so you got to say, do you have a picture of a really good closet, and you've been pushing that picture of the really good closet? <laughs> this is what we can offer because right I here. got, I guess, because I know guys like that. No, we 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 our designers will meet with the client first take an inventory of their belongings. So if we're in a closet, for example, yeah. they're gonna, we're going to count the number of shoes that they own. We're going to measure how much long hang space they need. We're going to measure how much short hanging space they need. We're going to find out, do they want his and hers separated? Uh, do they do they need drawers? Are they trying to get anything into that closet that's not already in there? Do they want an ironing board in there? Do they want an ironing board in there? Yeah, we have some really neat ironing board options, jewelry options. Yeah. You know, anything that is there anything that – We'll ask a lot of questions. Um, are you looking to get belts in there, ties in there? Um, is there, you know, ask about their process. And then we'll come up with a design solution based off of our questions, and then right. we'll work with them. It's an interactive process. So we, we'll do a, an initial design rendering, and then we'll, we'll take them through it and add and subtract and move things around. Uh, when you say design rendering, sorry, is it a picture? It is a computer program. That shows the closet in 3D, so they can. It's almost like they can walk through their closet and see what their closet's going to look like. Oh, really? Before it's built, engineers. <laughs> see the engineers. You were wondering why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, the whole idea is you, you got to. I mean, you do want to be able to see it. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's a lot of people are just like, I don't know what these lines mean on this paper. Right. I don't understand. I'm not spatially uh, aware. That's not my thing. Um, and showing them a top-down view, uh, which is a plan view, or front right. front view, which is an elevation view, doesn't necessarily mean anything to them. They they can't really get a feel for it. But then, as soon as you give them a three D rendering, it's like, oh yeah, it's like a picture. And also, how if they're looking at doing different colors, how are those colors working together? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. We can put clothes in there, and they can see actually how their clothes will will be situated in that space, so they can physically feel what it's going to. See, like. I, I'm your traditional guy. Right, yes. I, I yeah. can build the room. Yeah. It's going to be a square room. Yep, it's going to have a bed in the corner. There'll yep. be a little table with a lamp on it. Yes, but w- w- what these guys do 
is is so far beyond what I'm capable of doing. It's it's really <laughs> impressive how they can bring a room together. I was telling my wife, and I think there was another woman in the room, and they both had their their jaw down, you know, their mouth open at the end of this discussion about I was bragging about you guys. <laughs> and you. I said I said, All right, here's the thing. You guys got a lot of shoes. And they said, Well yeah, we kinda do, you know. <laughs> I said when you see your shoes on a shelf, do you need to see the left and the right? My wife says, well, no. Then why are you putting your shoes next to each other as opposed to one in first and one – tell me about – there's a storage solution for shoes that means you put the left in front of the right. If you have the depth to work with, yes, absolutely. I mean, Closets are – you talk about a square room. Yeah. No, they're Plazes, never. Plazes are never square. <laughs> it's the, always the afterthought. Like the de- the designer for the house was like, "Oh yeah, I got to put closets in here somewhere." This is and how much space we out. have left. You yeah. see my house, <laughs> <laughs> and the shapes of some of these. It's like you can't even get to some of the corners yep. that are left over and carved out. And then an HVAC register is on the other side of the wall, so they have to build a box in there. So there's all these weird shapes, and so that's kind of <laughs> what. That's why we have this th- this software because we can all that stuff in there and then build things around it and really right. make it work. Yeah, Keyword key build. How do you guys build yeah. things? Is this because you build or manufacture your own products? Yeah, that's a good point. We um, we have a full manufacturing facility in Apex. Oh. Um, we use uh, state-of-the-art CNC-controlled machinery. I mean we're cutting our, our wood products to about one – I would say accuracy pretty reasonably one-fiftieth of a millimeter. <laughs> Um, accuracy, so um, it's it's built for that client's needs. We're starting with just stacks of wood, um, yeah. so instead of paying for man, uh, transportation and cartoning and instruction making and all that stuff that you get if you're buying something from very far away, because the product's it's a heavy product. It's it's not really designed well to be shipped and bought from somewhere else. Yeah. So we you know we basically the cost is built into the fact that we're making everything. Locally and custom, and we end up with a price that's the same as if you just ordered a kit. And there's and, and nobody – help me understand that there's mm-hmm. nobody on the customer's front lawn with a table saw? We do some uh, last-minute okay. adjustments, like to get something to really maximize the space. Usually yeah. up to – you know, we usually have like one section in a room that might be cut on site to make sure it fits the exact dimension. Okay. But the – it's a handful of cuts. Sure. We're, we're not manufacturing – we're building on site. We're assembling on site what has been precision built or manufactured in Apex. At something called the Closet Factory. Yep. It's yeah. a factory it is. and you're making closets there. <laughs> and we other are, storage yeah. solutions. I'm just you know. Yeah. We've got a finished guy Fred who does amazing work. So if someone wants a painted or stained solution that's very unique, there's not really, as far as I'm aware, anyone else in the industry that, that does that, especially locally. Um, but even nationally it's very unusual to find someone that's doing that painting and standing unless they're kind of a one-off type of operation all right we're going to pick up with mike and sue pale from the closet factory in just a moment we're also going to ask rock emmons about this mold remediation dry uh, dry ice machine that he's very proud of I am proud of it. He's yeah. proud of it during the commercials, which is we got to pull him back onto the show with <laughs> the because for two weeks running or three weeks running, I've heard him brag about this machine that that will take a mold issue and erase it. No chemicals. 
with no chemicals. That's right. And no harsh chemicals, but really no, technically no chemicals. All right. That's one element. One element. One element. That's it. 919-860-9783 is our telephone number on making your home great. This is Making Your Home Great on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. We've been talking to Mike and Sue Pale of the Closet Factory. Call them if you want some storage solutions or workplace area or home office ideas and execution, of course, uh, from the Closet Factory. Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier, our regular co-host. You've been bragging about this um, dry ice mold remediation. What do you call it? Well, so there's a bunch of different types to remediate mold. Um, the majority of the, the, the things out there to remediate mold are, are chemical-based, typically sure. bleach-based products. Um, a few years ago, we, we caught a docu-series on the History Channel where they were talking about dry ice mold remediation. Yeah. Which we thought sounded kind of interesting until we watched a video and we realized that it works a lot like a pressure washer. So if the mold is really bad, mm-hmm. okay, if you get down into your crawl space and the mold is bad, bad mold can actually deteriorate wood. It, it starts feeding off the wood and then you can start getting rot. Yeah. A lot of the time I find rot in a, a crawl space. It's underneath the toilet. You know, the there was a leak in the toilet. It's, mm-hmm. it's caused uh, uh, some water damage on the subfloor and eventually the subfloor itself can give out. Right. Dry ice remediation, instead of having to go in and use either a lot of chemicals or palm sanders, belt sanders, that type of stuff to try to take off that kind of mold, yeah. a dry ice machine works like a pressure washer. So uh, we use dry ice chips. We load it into a hopper, um, and it actually sprays out of a hose with a, an enormous amount of pressure, negative uh, 130 degrees, so it freezes the mold dead on contact, and then it removes the mold from the wood, making the wood look brand new for yep. the most part. Rock just showed me the before and after picture and the, the before looks like it was like smoke and fire damage yeah. and it's just mold and then the the next picture looks like it was just constructed walls. Almost brand new labor, uh, uh, brand new lumber. Um, and, and is it a physical destruction of the mold or is it just because this is so cold that it it Kills the mold. So a little bit of both. Um, the the it, yes, the fact that it's so cold. I mean, bacteria cannot survive at negative one hundred and twenty something degrees. Right. Um, so it it no, it kills the mold dead on contact and then removes it from the wood. Now a lot of people are wondering. Well, okay, I know I know remediating mold with chemicals is very expensive. So this this must be just astronomically expensive. Yeah. It's not. Okay, comparatively speaking, it is pretty close to the same price per square foot, but you can either use chemicals or you can use something that's chemical free. So I'm a big fan of the dry ice blasting, can save a lot of money, can save your lumber, save you from having to refloor your house because the mold has gotten so bad underneath. So there's there's a lot of benefits. Dry ice. I've always wondered, what is it? Is it just extraordinarily cold water? I don't know. Apparently it's not. The first word is dry. The engineers were laughing at him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're going to laugh now or you're going to laugh later. It doesn't matter to me. Dry ice is really, really, really cold. Yes. Yeah. And we were talking about it earlier. I mean, it's it's what you see people use at Halloween. You know, they'll, they'll put dry ice in buckets and yeah. pour some water on it and you get that fog that comes out over the bucket and, you know, runs across the yard. 
Yeah. Um, it's it's a great product, but it works. Yeah. It works every single time. Okay. All right. You bought this for Halloween, didn't you? I, I, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You're talking about, well, we saw this docu-series on the History Channel. I know the the expression in their eyes, the look on the face when you saw that docu-series. Yeah. It was the same one that Mike got on his face when he found out that you can store a car above a car. <laughs> That's uh, that's true. That's pretty true, yeah. What is it? How, how would you do that? And you not only have that in your house, but you'll install this. Correct. At yes. Brock's house, maybe someday. Yeah, could be. Um, so uh, you after need to we, have – After we do his wife's closets. Yeah. If you're taking well, if inventory, for, for Brock's benefit, you're going to need a whole weekend. <laughs> for Brock's benefit, we would make sure that the, the wife gets taken care of first, right? Happy wife, happy life. Correct. Yeah. Um, but uh, so the things that are important there is you need to have a ceiling that's tall enough, obviously. Sure. Um, and a lot of a lot of houses do have a couple steps up into uh, into the living space and have tall ceilings. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what ours are about eleven feet tall. I think our ceiling in our garage is about eleven feet tall. Yeah. Uh, and that allows Sue parks her car beneath mine, and okay. uh, it's a two car typical two car garage. It's about nineteen by nineteen feet. And uh, we can have the truck on one side and then two cars on the other side, one above the other. And a couple different options. We have a single post lift, which really keeps things out of the way. And it's really meant as a parking garage, a parking lift. Yes. You can still do work on the car, which I, I like to do. Um, but you can't take the, the wheels off. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a, a two post lift, a lot of times those are made where you have contact pads that lift up. Like you'd see in a mm-hmm. in a, in a uh, typical service center, and those are not meant for parking because you have to align those pads, lift up everything just right, and it's not it's not as easy, right? Right. Uh, and then there's also four post lifts which tend to have large ramps on them, and then you basically just drive onto them. They lift up. They they require almost nothing of your floor, and can sometimes they can be on wheels. You can move them around from one side of the garage to the other. Believe it or not. Yeah. Um, those are the most uh, the, the easiest to add to any garage, the only limitation there is to make sure that those four posts are not going to end up in a spot that become very challenging to walk around. And that kind of depends on the layout of the of the actual garage. Do you ever have to figure out how thick the foundation is in order to put one of these lifts in? Yeah. Um, so we would drill an, uh, a hole to see how deep the concrete is. Yeah. Um, if it's a four-post lift, it's not nearly as important. Because um, there's no there's no torque on the floor. It's right. really just downward pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's a, like ours, like we have in our house, a one post lift, uh, it does have a. It's kind of like C shaped So there is a big plate on the floor that distributes that load somewhat. And doesn't make it all just like off of a small contact area. But it is. Uh, it's important to make sure that you have enough depth. And and each of the different models have the specification of how deep the how thick the concrete has to be. And you guys can answer that question during the during the inspection when you guys come out to determine whether or not it's even feasible. Yeah, yeah, we have to drill some holes and right. just kind of see okay. it. I mean, the downside is that there might be a hole that has to be filled. Obviously, right. Need contact information for Mike and Sue Pale and the Closet Factory. How do we get in contact with you? Um, closetfactory.com is a great resource to kind of look at, and then uh, a lot of examples, and you can actually set up a uh, book an appointment from there. It kind of, kind of kicks off the process from a digital right. perspective. Thanks. We're all out of time. Thank you very much. This is making your home great.